You go to pay for your groceries or gasoline or whatever. And the final bill is tallied up and it's 49.32. Nobody these days carries change, and even if they did, they wouldn't want to count it out and be the jerk holding up the line. So they swipe their card. It was only 68 cents away from being an even $50. But what if we could put that 68 cents to work for you in some way? The good news is, you can. Roundly X lets you take those roundups and stick them into crypto. This is very helpful for new investors that are still shy about putting large amounts of their hard-earned money into this new class of investments based on developing technology, but do see the massive returns crypto is getting and suffering serious FOMO because of it. This comes with the advantages of budget-friendly ways to invest in cryptocurrencies and establish a dollar-cost averaging strategy that most advisors recommend with just about everything, and integrates easily with the large exchanges like Coinbase and Kraken. You might know about the company Acorns, which allows you to do this with stocks. They charge you three to five dollars a month. Roundly, X charges you only one dollar a month. Check it out at reinventideal.com slash roundup. That's reinventideal.com slash roundup. U.S. only. All crypto investing and services carry risks. Interest rates not guaranteed. This ad is not financial advice. Do your own research and seek a competent professional before making any decisions. You're listening to Reinvent Ideal, dating and life advice for men. See, you're struggling, though. You need some help? The wisdom you need when you're depressed and no one cares because you're not a chick. Well, we're all enjoying our day. We're going to lose 12 men to suicide today. Your weekly red pill prescription. It's a place for unguarded conversations to investigate with a council of men the riddles of life. With Cairo Copeland. Today, I'm going to give you the 10 ironclad rules of allure. And these rules, I say they're ironclad, not in the sense that they can't ever be broken, but in the sense that they encompass all the principles of allure. Everything that you can possibly think of that relates to going from being single and sexless to having the sex life that you want, having the love life that you want, the dating life that you want, all of it leads back to one of these. And they're also to be used as fallback positions for those when in doubt moments of not knowing what to do next. Rule number one, marry your future self first, then marry something else. And what this means is the only person you need to marry is your future self. I believe I covered this in a previous episode, but the idea here is before taking an action of any sort, stop yourself and ask, how your future self will look back on the action you're about to take, the decision that you're about to make. Ask yourself, are you loving your future self the most in this moment? That means you must talk to yourself in the way you would want a loving, devoted spouse or partner to talk to you. That also means taking care of yourself the way you'd take care of a loving spouse that you adore and feel lucky to have, or the way that a loving partner would you'd want them to take care of you. You are to push yourself to become the best version of yourself, not for anyone else, but only for you. Because this is your life and you only get to live it once. The pursuing greatness, the chasing success, you're doing that for yourself, not for some woman that you hope to get someday. And marrying something else, that means finding your purpose and sticking to it above all other individuals. The mission and meaning of your life takes precedence over any woman that captures your interest. 
Even if you're already married to her, your marriage to your purpose supersedes your marriage to her. And I'll tell you why here. A lot of you guys that are married right now, they're going to say, Oh, my wife is the most important thing in my life. You think that, you're soon going to lose that. She does not want to be number one no matter what she tells you. What women love is a man that is on a mission and is on his purpose. And if you have that, she will follow you. Despite all of the crap you have heard from the media, from the fempowerment mandate and the blue pill, they want to be led. They want to follow a man that is going to greater and better things. So you put your purpose first. It will only make her love you and pursue you more as it inspires competition anxiety for her. She's competing, maybe not with other women, but she's competing for your attention from your purpose. She has to do more now to get your undivided attention. If success at your purpose is measured by money, and there's nothing wrong with uh, using that as a measuring stick. Then remember what gives it and what takes it. Because you will always lose money chasing women. But you will never lose women while chasing money. And the same can be said about your purpose. And that's why you marry her last or you prioritize her last. After yourself and after your purpose. Rule number two. Women are not scarce, but your time is. You want to never... Never, ever, under penalty of death, let yourself utter the thought, there's this one girl. I hear that all the time from my coaching clients. They always say, there's this one girl that I really want. There's this one girl in my neighborhood. There's this one girl at church or whatever. And I tell them is, no, no, no. There is never only just one girl. You'll find that women are all over the place. They're abundant everywhere you go. Worldwide, the population is disproportionately female. Go back to the episode I did on the wheel of likelihood and how there are many contextual variables and randomness often reigns supreme in whether you are successful or not with a woman. That was way back in episode 22. We talked all about randomness and how that's in charge. And the only way that you can outsmart randomness is by using the law of large numbers. Just means that it's a numbers game. The more approaches that you do, the more attempts that you make, the greater your likelihood of success. There are contextual variables involved to determine if a woman is interested or even able to be interested in you. I mean, is she single? Does she have a type? Is she in a certain part of her cycle? Do you remind her of anyone unfavorable from her life? Is she in a hurry? Or having a busy day. The only way you can overcome these hurdles is not by trying to penetrate through them all on a single woman sample, but to increase the sample size of women to as many as possible. And lucky for you, the number of women out there for your sample size is so large that you could never run out of them. The only thing that you could run out of is the time that you have to get to them all. And the time that you waste trying to force yourself into a lasting position in the life of one woman whose contextual variables just will not allow it is time that you could have been using to find one that will. So don't worry if one particular woman is not responsive to you or not favorably responsive to you. It probably has nothing to do with you. It's probably just one of the contextual variables that are just not in your favor. And for each one that is out of favor, there is at least one woman out there for whom the variables are within your favor. So don't waste your time not getting to her. Now, of course, I know what's going to happen here is you're going to worry about 
regretting giving up on one woman that was unresponsive. Maybe she was the right one for you had you just tried harder, you think. Let me put you at ease when it comes to that. If you give up on her, you will not even remember her a few days later, provided you keep doing everything else you need to be doing. A worse regret is wasting time not meeting other women. If a woman says no to you now, there is not a thing that you can do to turn that no into a yes. Now, quite often, men wish that if they had a time machine, they'd tell their past selves not to waste their time on a particular woman. I hear that from all the successful guys. It's like, hey, what, if you could go back and uh, tell your past self something, what would you tell them? They always say, don't waste your time on this one particular woman. Don't waste your time on women in general. But they never, I've never heard any of them say that they wish they could tell their past selves to go after one particular woman a lot harder than they did. Rule number three, when there's nothing clever to do, the mistake is to try to be clever. The brilliant pickup lines that you're looking for are unnecessary. That peacocking attire may get you attention, but it doesn't do anything to ensure you keep that attention. And it's clear what trying too hard to be funny looks like. And it's not attractive. It's not a good look on you. The harder you try, the more apparent it becomes that you're trying. If something clever to say comes to your mind naturally on its own, then that's perfectly all right to say. But scrambling through your thoughts in a desperate action, women can easily sense that. The point is to keep her guessing your interest level in her. It's not to confirm an interest level she believes you have because of her overinflated self-esteem brought on by social media simps that follow and worship her. This also means being forthcoming with your intent. When you go talk to her, you make it clear why you're talking to her, even when it's the first time that you're talking to her. If you do anything less, if you hide it, that denotes that you have shame about it. Hiding your intentions suggests you feel unworthy of what you're after and need to trick her into liking you. When you're most unsure of what to say, the right thing to say in that moment then is the most honest thing you feel in that moment. And you just blurt it out and stop hiding it. Rule number four, never, absolutely never let her know that you're in pain or show deep vulnerability. Now, this is a tough one because as emotional creatures, it's human nature to crave emotional connection on a deep level and to be seen for who you really are and loved because of it or even despite it. But you gotta remember the horror stories that you've heard. There were guys that needed nothing more than the reassuring love and compassion they believed their women would give them, but they turned out to receive the opposite. Because I'll tell you what, you only believe that women are these loving, compassionate creatures, possibly because that's the way your mother was with you. But your mother loves you unconditionally just because part of her is in you. You are a part of her. You came from her womb. She sees a little bit of herself in you. That's why she loves you unconditionally. She made a major investment in you. But these other women that you're dating, maybe they haven't made a deep investment in you at all yet. Or if they've made an investment in you, it's not as great as the investment your mother made. So yeah, you could be vulnerable with your mother, but you can't be that way with your wife. You can't be that way with your girlfriend. You can't be that way with the women that you date. They're not your mother. And they're not your emotional tampon, just as you don't want to be their emotional tampons. And the truth is that women have compassion for other women, for children, and for animals. They have none for men, especially the ones they marry or sleep with. And this explains why the wife in long-term marriages seems to be so nagging and mistreats the husband so horribly, with him expressing so many 
vulnerable weaknesses and flailing emotions, she lost respect for him as the stone wall she originally thought he was. And on that note, it's often a risky deed to be the first one in the relationship to express the words, I love you. This is a vulnerable act because it may or it may not be reciprocated, and if it is not, there's no way for the man to come out of it looking good. It's like having a crush on a friend and then going to kiss her, and she says, oh, whoa, 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 wait, what are you doing? Further, it's a risky proposition to even compliment her or validate her on a deep level at all. Because women want to believe that they've overcome major hurdles to win a man's heart. They want to believe that their relationship's beginning is a success story for them. And while it's unlikely that they're going to admit this, you know, you're never going to hear them admit this, or even consciously be aware of it, they like the challenge of winning a man who has other women interested in him. And more so, they love winning that challenge. It is in the best interest of your mental and emotional health to constantly question if the woman you are with has the capability to love you in the manner that you expect to be loved. Because expectations of what love is, especially true love, are often idealizations that cannot be lived up to. Understanding this and believing it It does not cut away at the love you are receiving. Instead, it makes each bit of it that much more of a pleasant surprise, and consequently, a more precious surprise. Rule number five, always, always, always have options. What makes a woman feel special is not any sweet gesture you do for her. They may say that's what does it, but their actions tell a different story. What makes her feel special is when you choose her despite having other options. Your value to her is not represented by your accomplishments, status, money, muscle. What determines your value to her is what other women think of you. When a man has options, he can never be needy. And competition anxiety is inspired in her, and she must do more to please you so that you won't brush her aside for one of your other options. And I'll tell you what, there's plenty of times where you as a guy, I'm sure, felt like just an option to women before. And you're dating one, and she's really not reciprocating much or showing you much attention, and you feel like, oh, I'm just an option, I'm just a backup guy. That's probably true. So why should you continue to make her your sole focus for female attention and intimacy when she does not return the favor? Or why should you do it until she at least returns the favor. The confidence that it will give you by having options with women will bleed over into all your other interactions with them, into all your other behaviors. There is much to be gained by keeping what I call a book of beauty, or optimizing your options, juggling your interest in multiple women at once. And on that note, it's better to spend your time pursuing new options than it is to try to revitalize old options. Looking for New prospects pays better dividends than it does trying to get back with an ex. Getting back with a previously failed girlfriend is like taking a shower only to put back on the same shitty, sweaty clothes that you just got out of. Rule number six, rarely reciprocate 100%. Now with this one here, this does not mean take advantage of her interest in you. This does not mean get her to do all sorts of stuff and you give her nothing in return. What it means is safeguard her interest in you. It's very hard to gain, but then it's also very easy to lose. And the fastest way to lose it is by being a yes man that gives more to her than she gives to you. The next easy way is to reciprocate to her the same level of giving that she gives to you. Either way, she's going to find you too easy. The safe way to proceed is to give back a fraction 
of what she gives you. For every three texts that she sends you, you send only two texts back. Every three dollars that she spends on you, you spend only two dollars back on her. Every three displays of affection and attention, you return 66% of it. And hold your ground on pause until she responds with more. And the reason for this one is not to use her for what she's willing to do for you. The reason is that every sweet gift and gesture you do for her, while it may be appreciated in the present, it will only become an expectation in the future. The expectations will only build up and compound to a point where no person on earth could possibly meet them. And then, what's next to be built up and compounded by her is disappointment in you. So it's wise to keep your reciprocations in check. Rule number seven, remain a wonder. She falls in love with you entirely inside her head before she ever gets to know the real you. And when her love for you is developed there first, it is stronger and it's more long-lasting because her attachment to you has become an ego investment of hers. In order to inspire this, you must make her wonder about you. And that means keep her guessing. Quite often she'll ask you questions that she doesn't really want the straight answers to. It's often wise to evade and dodge these questions with cleverness. The sooner she feels she has figured you out, the less she will wonder about you. The ego investment starts to deteriorate without new additions to it. And a classic example of questions to avoid answering is when she asks how many women you've slept with. You don't answer that question ever because, you see, that question is always a trap. And never explain any of the details of previous sexual experiences that you've had. Never explain any of the details of previous relationships that you've had. If you're ever asked about your body count, the best thing you can do is joke about it. You just say, what are you talking about? I'm a virgin. Or, I stopped counting once it reached the triple digits. Rule number eight, be immune to her beauty. This is taking the theory of sexual intelligence and putting it into practice. When you are able to control your reactions to her beauty and sexual arousal, you attain a superpower that most guys will never possess. Because the reward pathways of the brain that light up when looking at a gorgeous woman, they can be tamed, and doing so will transform your interactions with them. Much like a mortician or a doctor who conducts autopsies on brutalized bodies, he becomes immune to the grotesquerie of gore. You need to do the same with beauty. See, the mortician or the doctor no longer recoils in fright or revolts in disgust because he has complete control and power over the subject to perform the task at hand, and he does it very well. So by that same manner, when you suppress your awe of beauty, you're also going to ascend above that powerlessness that you feel that's caused by beauty. So you don't want to use complimentary or sentimental words to describe the women that arouse you. You don't want to be complimenting them, but you also don't even want to be thinking complimentary of them. You want to take some words out of your vocabulary. Take out the words cute, attractive, hot, gorgeous, pretty, beautiful, perfect, ten, all that shit. When you see these women, just think to yourself, you know what? They look interesting. Or she might be fun, but more information is needed. Further, you gotta stop complimenting women on their looks. She'll see right through your compliments and come to the conclusion that you're only saying that because you want to fuck her. She makes herself look that way, not to impress you, but to impress and inspire jealousy in other women. Rule number nine, apologies breed more apologies. Now, I don't mean don't ever say you're sorry for something you're clearly in the wrong about. What I mean is limit your apologies to a quota, because the more you do it, the more it will be demanded of you to continue doing it. You rarely are ever truly forgiven, and the deed is never forgotten. And what you've admitted to being wrong about will be brought right back up to your attention at the next time 
there's a call for an apology from you. So never cut yourself down, and no matter what the cost is, do not tear into yourself. Don't be giving up an apology and topping it off with an admission that you were being a douchebag or an asshole or immature, because what that's going to do is that's going to permanently fix those nouns as a description for you in the mind of the woman that you're apologizing to. There's no going back to seeing you any differently in her mind. And this is often done to elicit sympathy and forgiveness from a woman, but she gives those things out only when she chooses to, by her own free will. If she ever was to feel obligated to give anything to you, it makes her feel nothing but disgust. You hear this all the time whenever you take a woman out on a date and you spend a whole bunch of money on her. Now she feels obligated to do something in return for you and she feels very gross and disgusted about it. You see, pity is the murderer of attraction. Rule number 10, very critical rule, never facilitate a quickie. When everything has gone right and you get the sex that you were after, whatever you do, don't rush through it. To finish fast is going to vanquish any attraction she ever had for you and make her feel as disgusting, like a used sex doll. You see, bad sex often lead to accusations of consent violations, and you don't want that. You don't need that. The way to ensure that the first sex leads to many more sessions is to bang her like it's the last time you'll ever get to have sex. And also for her, make it feel like it's the last time she'll ever get to have sex as well. Any guy finishing fast due to hyperarousal and sensitivity is going to leave her greatly unsatisfied. But when you take your time, when you draw things out, when you build up the anticipation to the point where it's intolerable for her to continue with foreplay, you're going to give her the best orgasms of her life. And from what we can tell, from what science and data we have today, the purpose of the female orgasm is specifically for pair bonding. Because you see, the purpose of male orgasms is to perpetuate the species. Female orgasm doesn't do that. Though it's often believed that it's about pair bonding. So just as you should never be in a rush to finish, don't ever be in a rush to finish her. And that is it for us today. I hope this has been helpful. If there is something in particular that you're struggling with on your journey down the red pill road, something that you're questioning in your aspirations to become a better man, a happier man on a new reinvented life, then send me an email at cairo at reinventideal.com. That's cairo at reinventideal.com. And I'll see if I can make an episode about it. As always, please remember that the bull gets blocked right here because I am my brother's keeper and I got your back. Thank you for listening to Reinvent Ideal with Cairo Copeland, your weekly red pill prescription. See more at reinventideal.com. Don't be simp pathetic. The 12-step program to slaughter the simp within. Do you feel powerless around the women you desire? Are you suspicious that the women in your life are just using you? Are you the one that always pays for everything and does all the work while getting nothing in return? Help is finally here. Never again do you have to feel like you must prove what a great guy you are to get the girl. Go from being a chaser to a chooser with these practical strategies and tactics. These new mindsets and behaviors to adopt will save you time, money, and energy. In this book, you will discover one powerful skill that all males must learn, but very few will. Why women don't like giving guys. How to resist the urge to always pay for everything. How to avoid being seen as willing to be used. A shocking truth that will change your interactions with women forever, and the not-so-obvious way to make her chase you. All included in the 12-step program 
to eliminate the urge to supplicate and simp within. Get your copy today at reinventideal.com slash simp. reinventideal.com slash simp.